But then you turn the page to the last chapter. And I know that when the scripture was written, they didn't have they didn't have verse divisions, much less chapter divisions. They wrote it all like one letter, like we do. Like if you're pinning a letter to somebody or typing an email, you don't put verses or chapters in an email. So they were just writing literally from the heart under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But when they divided Scripture into chapters, they bracketed chapter 16. And I think for a very good reason. Because Paul, it's almost like he ceases his theological discourse and he gets very personal. Verse 1 of, of chapter 16 in Romans, I commend or I, I, I promote unto you, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sincrea. Now here's what is believed about Phoebe. It's believed that Phoebe was in Corinth with Paul and that Phoebe was the one who toted this letter of, to the Romans. That they entrusted Phoebe with the letter. And she carried it. She delivered it to the pastor of the church and to the leaders there at the church at Rome. Of course, this is most likely what they would have done. They would have gathered the church together upon receiving the letter. They would have read the entire letter all at one time in one city. Phoebe was the one who carried the letter. She was entrusted with the care and responsibility to get the letter from Corinth all the way to Rome. <coughs> now there's something interesting just in that initial statement. It's interesting to me if you know much about the culture of the New Testament time, the early church, especially the Roman civilization, the Roman culture, women, women were not entrusted with responsibility like that. This was unusual. For Phoebe to be a woman, which she was, that in itself made a statement. Now, Paul was not advocating for women pastors or anything like that, but there's a reason why in the sovereign plan of God that he chose Phoebe to be the letter carrier. Then he goes on, verse 3. Greet or another word that we're going to see used over and over and over again is the word salute. Salute. It's the same word in the Greek. Different word in English, same word. It literally means this, y'all. It means a verbal hug. It's, it's, it's like in the New Testament in Paul's letters when he would write and he would say, hey, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, we don't practice that these days, but that was the practice in the New Testament. They would, they would literally embrace one another. They would give each other, if I can say it this way, you do not think I'm corny, they would give each other a holy hug. And they were huggers in the New Testament church. I guarantee you this, they were a whole lot more huggers than we are today in that faith church 2023. You know, a lot of times when we give somebody a holy hug, we're kind of either they're like Raggedy Ann or we're like Raggedy Ann. You know, we just kind of tolerate it. Uh, just kind of lean into it. 
And, and I understand. I understand. That's just not our culture, is it? But it was theirs. And when he wrote these words, I salute you, I greet you, it literally was carried the idea of, hey, if I could, I'd wrap my arms around you and give you a big squeeze. I'd give you a big hug. I'd give you a holy hug. Because I want you to know how special and important you are to me as a Christian, as a believer. Now here's what I want you to remember. All of these people that he mentions right here are believers. You know what that means? That means they're part of the family. They're part of the same spiritual family that Paul was part of. That's the family of Christ. God is our Father. We've been made part of the same family by the blood of the Lord Jesus. There are precious individuals scattered across this fellowship hall tonight. And, 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 and listen, I know we all have different backgrounds, different experiences. We all have different comfort levels of getting to know one another. Man, I realize that. We all sit in different locations in church, right? Sometimes it's hard for us to get to know everybody or even to meet everybody. But here's the truth. There are some of us that have been going to church together for 30 years that we've never one time sat down and had a five-minute conversation with each other. Paul said, I greet, I salute, I verbally hug. If I could, I'd hug you right there. Aquila and Priscilla. My helpers in Christ Jesus, they've laid down their life for sport. They've laid down their own nets for my life. Verse 5. Greet the church that is in their house. Salute them. It's the same word. In other words, make sure that you you say, hey, you know, I mean, y'all remember old uh, Gomer Powell on uh, and the Andy Griffith show. Goober says, hey, you know. <laughs> this is Paul. This is Paul saying, hey. So so he commends Phoebe. He says, listen, when, when Phoebe gets there with the letter, I want you to receive her. And it's the same idea. I want you to open your arms up and embrace her and welcome her back. Then he starts going down his list. Aquila Priscilla. Hug them. Greet them. Salute them. I salute them. I salute everybody, all the believers that have gathered there in their house. Man, we don't even, not even talk about the house church. That's where they met. They met in Aquila Priscilla's home. Ladies, I've asked this before, but would you be willing to open up your home for a Bible study? Regularly, like every week? By the way, you remember, they didn't just meet every week. They met several nights, several days a week in people's in Aquila Priscilla's house. Like, I'm not sure if I want somebody to be in my house like that. I'm not sure if I want to open up my home. I mean, that's kind of invasion of privacy and all that kind that's what they did. I'm, I'm, I'm simply saying that the culture of the New Testament church was a little bit different than what ours is. But I think their level of sacrifice was a little bit different too. I think their willingness to really just be all in in the family it was a little bit different than what ours is. Salute, verse 5, my well-beloved Epinesis. Who's the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ? Greet Mary, 
It was so much labor. I don't know which Mary it was. It could just have been her chick's name was Mary. Greet, salute her. Her seven, salute Andronicus and Junia. Some believe Junia was a woman. It, it could have been that Andronicus and Junia were husband and wife. And the Bible says about them here, they were Paul's kinsmen, that's spiritually speaking. It could mean they were Jewish people. They were fellow prisoners. Scholars believe that these two, maybe a husband and wife team, were actually imprisoned along with Paul at one time or another. We don't think about women and wives being thrown into prison for being a Christian and taking a stand for Jesus. Verse 8, greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord, salute or greet Urbane, our helper in Christ, Sactus, my beloved. Verse 10, Apelles, salute Apelles, approve to Christ, salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. Scholars say that Aristobulus was not a Christian, but that his family was. And Paul knew them well. And he was saying, hey, I know Aristobulus isn't saved yet, but all his family members saved. You make sure you greet them. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them to be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. And I, love, I don't know who these folks were, but Trophina and Trophusa. I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm naming my next youngin. Trophina or Trophusa. I don't know which. <laughs> in the Lord, salute the beloved Persis, which laid much in the Lord. And then I like verse 13. I, I don't know why. Old, old Rufus. If your kin folk is named Rufus, I'm not that. I just like that name, Rufus. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. Salute. Asyncritus, Phlegion, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brethren which are with them. Salute Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints which are in them. Salute one another, here he is, with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Timotheus, my fellow worker, Lucius, that's Luke. Jason. So Sipiter, my kinsman, salute you. So he says, hey, I want you to embrace Phoebe. And then he starts going down a litany of people that he's thanking the Lord for. And he said, hey, I want to salute them. I want you to go around and give them a hug. So he turns from who he's commending to who he's saluting. And then he says, now all these people here are with me. They want to send their hellos and their love and hugs and kisses to so he starts mentioning them. Timotheus, Lucius, Jason, Sosipater. And then Paul was using what they called an amanuensis, which was like a secretary. We believe Paul had an eye issue, an eye difficulty, where he could not write. There was one time he did sign his own name, and he said, remember this? He said, I, Paul, I, Paul, am writing this now. You can tell it. <coughs> using such large letters. But here in Romans, his amanuensis, his secretary, was a dude by the name of Tertius. And Tertius even gets in on the greeting because he says here in verse 22, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and of the whole church, salute you. Gaius, 
hosted the church at Corinth in his home. Paul was staying there with Gaius. And he says, I want you to know that Gaius sends his love to you. And then he mentions verse 23, if you're still with me, you're still paying attention. He mentions Erastus. Erastus the Chamberlain. Now some of you, in your translation or in, in, in studying this, they may have the steward, the city manager, the high government official. That's who Erastus was. He was the city manager of the city of Corinth. That was a Roman government appointed position. That was a position of high civic authority. And here's this man, Erastus, who is a believer as well now. It's interesting that one of the names that Paul greets was Herodian. It is believed that Herodian there in the Roman church had connections to the emperor there in Rome. Erastus, the chamberlain of the city, saluted you. And then I want you to know this name, Quartus. Quartus. Something's interesting about Quartus. If you study his name out to try to figure out who that was, there are many folks that believe that his name Quartus means fourth. Scholars go on to believe that he was the fourth slave. Perhaps he was born into slavery. That's what he was always called. Number four. Wasn't even given an official name. It was just called four. Number four. And I want you to get the picture because there are many believe that number four, old Quartus, could very well have been a slave who was owned by the household of Erastus. And I want you to get this picture. And this is a message tonight, a sermon on the legitimacy of slavery in the New Testament church. What it is, what it does point to is how, and I want you to understand this, how master slash owner and slave who have come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ can sit down with one another and be called brother. Because that's what Paul calls number four. That's what he calls Quartus. He says, Quartus, old number four, a brother. I want to tell you this tonight, and this just makes me happy in my soul. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can take somebody who was born into slavery and make them co-equal on the same level as the dude who bought him and owns him as a slave. Only Jesus can do that. And only Jesus can cause them and enable them to sit down together in the same church in the same section, in the same area, and embrace one another as brothers in Christ. So I close and I leave you some thoughts. Thought number one. 
People matter in the local church. People matter in the local church. Here's what makes our church special. Here's what makes any church special. You ready? It's the presence of Christ. And it's the presence of people. This church is special in my heart and mind because of you. I wouldn't want to come here without you. I wouldn't want to show up without you. Because you make it special. We said this morning it's not about buildings, it's not about bodies, it's not about bucks. That's not what makes a church. What makes a church is the presence of Jesus and people. My pastor growing up told us that people are the work of God. I heard him say that a thousand times. People are the work of God. You are the work of God. People matter. You know that Paul mentioned 35 people in this one chapter by name? You know why? Because people matter in the Lord's work. People make a difference. Tonight, have made a difference. It wasn't just about position. It was about people. Tonight we've heard testimony from our young people who said, hey, Brother Craig, Miss Christie, thank you. People. People make a difference. People matter in the local church. Statement number two, we don't all have to be the same to have unity among the body. And look at the diversity of chapter 16 of Romans. He mentions by name nine or ten. There's a little question about if it's nine or ten. When out of the 35? One third of all the folks mentioned in chapter 16 of Romans were female. Again, in that culture, you've got to understand, that was a bold statement by Paul, or should I say by the Holy Spirit. And that was on purpose. So that you and I tonight, sitting here in 2023, would be reminded that yes, the gospel makes every life significant in the local church. The church is not just for a hierarchy of men. No. The church values, the local church values the input of godly men and godly women. Young and old. Senior adults and young adults. Notice the diversity here. You had socioeconomic diversity. I just pointed out that Erastus was like, he was like the city manager. We would say he was the mayor of the city of Corinth, perhaps. And yet he broke bread and he fellowship and he loved on his slave. That were now brothers in Christ. Those that had money and those that didn't. Those, those who had everything tightly knit together in their personality, and I guarantee you, in this group of 35, there were some people that there maybe had a little different personality. You know what we'd say about them today in 2023? Them folks are weird. That's what we'd say. You know, I just don't do weirdness. <coughs> Listen to me. See, when Jesus sets his love and affection on you, when he puts you in the body, he, he, he's not looking as to whether you're weird or not weird. By the way, 
Let's let's just get over ourselves because every one of us has some weirdness about us. <laughs> Say amen right here. You know I'm telling the truth. Amen or all me. Every one of us are weird to a certain degree. Especially me. But that's beside the point. But y'all know what I'm talking about. There are those within this church that we want to keep at arm's length. Keep out of distance. Oh, well, uh, I want to stay away from them. Why? Well, I don't know. I just, I just think they're weird. Well, what about them is weird? I, I, I don't know. They're just different than me. Hey, I'm glad. Hey, I'm glad Jesus doesn't treat me like that. Because you talk about extreme indifferences. He's holy and infinitely righteous, and I am not. And look at what he did for us. And look at the lengths he went to to come to where we were. I guarantee you, you sit down with somebody. And that's why we have fellowships. That's why we have this time. Listen, please, please, don't just don't just congregate when we get like this. Don't just congregate with your little crowd that you always congregate with. At least go read and read somebody that you really don't know that well. That's the purpose of this. I guarantee you'll find out something positive and good about what you didn't know. If you just take the time. God's put great diversity in this body. All of us come from different backgrounds. We had our starting point class last week, and then today, last week, I had to go around and just tell, hey, where are you from? It blew my mind how many of those 20-some people in that room were from different parts of America. And we're all sitting in that same room. You know what the common denominator was? Jesus. He brought us together, and he brought us together in a local church. We don't all have to have be, be the same to have unity among the body. Last statement, and we're going to pray. But more we get to know the brothers and sisters, the sweeter the Christian bond of family kinship should be. You see, Paul, when he used that word salute, he literally was saying, man, if I could, if, if I was there right there, boy, I'd give you a hug. Boy, I love you. Paul knew a lot of people. You know how he got to know a lot of people? Because he spent his time life on life. Paul didn't close himself off emotionally. Paul got to know people. Paul invested and poured himself <laughs> into people. You know why? Because he realized that that person was his brother or his sister in the Lord Jesus. I want you to take just take about 10 seconds, zero five. Look around this room real quick, would you? Scan the room. Scan the room real quick. I'm serious. Would you do that for me? Would you go with me up with that? Scan the room. Just look at everybody. How many of you, how many of you were saved? Raise your hand. Say amen right there. You're saved. You know you're saved. Raise your hand. Then you are brother or sister to every single other person in this room. You're part of the same thing. And there should not be one person, certainly in this room, that you can't look at with a clean heart and clean conscience and say, at least a handshake, I love you, brother. 
I love you, sister. Because we're part of the same family. May the Lord help us. May in the next few minutes, as we're fellowshipping in Eden, may the Lord help us to reach out to one another and to get to know one another.